Peace be upon you. Um, I was listening to a lecture by a philosopher, uh, Alan Watts, and he used this analogy that I wanted to pull from. Um, he said, you know, when a uh, cop is raiding a building, uh, let's say it's an apartment complex, and uh, the bad guys are on the first floor, what happens is when the cops go in, the bad guys go to the second floor. And when the cops go to the second floor, they go to the third floor, and such and such, until the bad guys reach the roof, and so do the cops. And I'm sure you guys have watched action movies in the same premise, um, and you see people running up the stairs as, you know, the, they're uh, being chased. And what the parable of this is, it's looking at um, when we first get into the message uh, and we hear that, you know, we have to abandon all our idols to devote our worship absolutely to God alone. Um, we follow the same premise. You know, at the beginning, we're looking at all the external idols, uh, be it made of stone, be it, you know, prophets, saints, anyone that we're uh, reverencing to the point of putting beside God. And we start slowly eliminating these idols. Um, and eventually we get to the point where we, you know, eliminate uh, other um, saints and martyrs as uh, idols. We eliminate uh, previous messengers or prophets or human beings as idols. And then we realize that, okay, our property can be an idol. Our children can be an idol. Um, our career, our business, the money we work for, you know, all these are idols that are external to us. And we start eliminating them. And as we're doing that, we're moving up and up. Uh, this uh, metaphorical building um, until we get to the last stage and on the last floor the roof um, the idol that all of us have to conquer is our egos and what makes the ego so um, difficult is that it changes itself uh, it disguises itself in a way that it seems friendly it seems like oh this is a good quality and the uh, last form that the ego takes before it's uh, completely abolished and that's, you know, a job as all submitters is our, our duty to kill our egos, right? To spend this life to eradicate ourselves of uh, our egos. Um, the last form it takes is self-righteousness. And um, what makes self-righteousness so difficult is that it looks, smells, sounds like righteousness. Uh, but it's, it's uh, rotten to the core. And um, the ego, it's, it's so clever. It's kind of like the, uh, the game of uh, Capture the Flag. Um, I'm not sure how many people are familiar, but the, there's two sides, uh, two teams, and what happens is each team hides a flag, and uh, the flag is basically placed in somewhere where the other team tries to find and bring back to their uh, territory, and if they do, they win. And one of the old jokes of Capture the Flag is that if you hide the flag on the other team, they'll never uh, find it. They'll look everywhere else external to them, but never realize that the flag was placed on them. And the ego works in the same manner, right? It disguises itself inside ourselves. Um, and in addition, when we do identify it, it makes itself seem righteous in the form of self-righteousness. And um, I wanted to dig more into this concept of uh, self-righteousness uh, because this is literally the first example we have of someone defying God is through this act of uh, self-righteousness, um, believing that we're better than other people. And we saw it uh, in the uh, history of Satan. When God told the angels to prostrate uh, before Adam to serve him, uh, all of them did except for Satan. And his excuse for not prostrating to Adam was that, I am better than he. Uh, God, uh, Satan tells God, he says, you know, you made me from fire, you made him from clay. I'm better than he is, so I'm not going to prostrate. And this shows that Satan had this feeling of superiority uh, to Adam, that he thought he was better, uh, he shouldn't be the one who's like serving Adam, um, and uh, he refused, and because of that, he fell. Uh, and we see another example of self-righteousness in the example of Pharaoh. Um, and it's interesting, if you read these verses, you can read it in such a, a, a way 
that, oh, you know, uh, Pharaoh's like an oppressor and he's just a, an absolute tyrant. But if you read it in the way that he's actually buying into his, uh, his uh, logic, that he genuinely believes he knows what's best for the people, you can just see the, uh, the self-righteousness screaming out. In chapter 26, verse 17 through 19, it says, so Moses says, let the children of Israel go. Uh, he said, so this Pharaoh, did we not raise you from infancy and you spent many years with us? Then you committed the crime that you committed and you were ungrateful. Um, and he's calling Moses out saying that, hey, you know, I did all these things for you. And, uh, you know, now you're just being ungrateful. And it continues in uh, 4029 says, oh, my people, today you have the kingship in the upper hand. But who will help us against God's judgment should it come to us? Pharaoh said, you are to follow only what I see fit. I will guide you only in the right path. And you realize that, you know, one of the, the biggest uh, downfalls of self-righteousness is that we become blind to just how absolutely astray we really can be. Um, and it's something that every submitter, we need to look critically within ourselves um, to identify if we're having traits of self-righteousness. Because again, self-righteousness looks and feels like righteousness, but when you scratch the surface, you see it's nothing but the ego in disguise. And... Um, I was looking online and I found this awesome uh, article. Uh, it's entitled, uh, let me pull it up really quick. So it's entitled, uh, 20 Easy Ways to Be a Self-Righteous Christian. And what makes this so awesome to me is that you realize this attitude of self-righteousness, it's not limited to uh, just submitters. It's not limited to any one group of people. Literally every denomination, every sect, every religious group uh, has attributes, you know, people who fall into this, uh, this trap of self-righteousness. And this article, it's written by, let's give a shout out here. So his name is uh, Sammy uh, Abedi, and uh, it says he grew up in Nigeria, currently the young adult pastor at North Point Church. He's also a national speaker for the uh, Mocha Club. He lives in Ohio with his wife, Ashley, uh, daughter, Bibi and uh, St. Bernard, MJ, and Milo. So uh, really awesome article. I'm going to go through his uh, 20 points and then reference uh, verses in the Quran um, to kind of back up some of these points. So the first one it is, and so number one, it says, it's normal for you to think you have or know something spiritually no one else around you has or knows. You also often feel like you have an up on others. And you realize that, you know, some, what happens is when people get the message, the mentality is like, oh, you know, now I know something you don't, you know, I'm better than you are. Um, and the second that anyone of us feels that, we have to catch ourselves and realize that that's the ego. Um, in 1785, it reads, the divine revelation, source of all knowledge, it says, they ask you about the revelation, say, the revelation comes from my Lord, the knowledge given to you is minute. If he wills, we can take back what we revealed to you. Then you will find no protector against us. You know, God gave us all information, irrespective of the name of our faith. He gave us the guidance, the information. And if we become uh, arrogant, you know, he'll just take it away from us and we'll lose it. Um, and we see this, you know, God gave the, uh, the, the children of Israel the, uh, the Torah, and they created the Talmud, right? Additional information, something that gives, you know, the, uh, the rabbis an upper hand, uh, the scholars an upper hand from just the average person. And uh, in Christianity, if you look at like uh, Catholicism, you know, the uh, Vatican has vast libraries that they refuse to open to the public um, with, you know, scriptures that they convince people that they just know better than other people and the, uh, the rest of society is uh, ill-informed. Therefore, you have to go to them for the, uh, the answer. And we see it in uh, uh, Islam with Hadith and Sunnah, 
right? The fact that these people think that, oh, because they've read this hadith or sunnah, something that completely contradicts the Quran, that's prohibited by the very Quran, uh, as if they have an upper hand. You know, as if, oh, because uh, God, you know, forgot to put it into the Quran. God tells us repeatedly, the Quran is complete, it's fully detailed, uh, it has guidance for everything. It, uh, it's everything we need for our salvation is encompassed in those verses. Um, and there's nothing else that we need to go to as a source of laws, a source of guidance. Um, and it's something that the second that we think that we have additional information uh, that other people aren't privy to, and because of that, we have this air of superiority, you know, we have to catch ourselves and realize that, you know, A, we're straying from the Quran, and then B, um, that's a clear sign of self-righteousness. So, number two, it says, you assume or expect many people look up to you because of number one. And <laughs> the second that you think that people need to uh, take your word more seriously or pay attention to you or follow you because you have uh, access to this special information that no one else does, uh, realize that that's actually, you know, your ego uh, trying to fool you, uh, trying to believe that, make you believe that you are superior to others. Um, and it's something that we have to be um, very cognizant of. In 449, it says, have you noted those who exalt themselves and said God is the one who exalts whomever he wills without the least injustice? Um, no one has a monopoly on God's message. Uh, God's message, it's uh, free, it's available to everyone, and uh, anyone can have access to it. And all you need to have access to it is sincerity. And anyone who's sincere, God will guide their hearts. Um, and we have to understand that, uh, you know, if we think that, hey, we're doing the right thing, then we should just lead by example. Um, we shouldn't kind of cajole people into believing that, hey, they have to follow us because, again, we have access to this special information. Um, number three, it says, it's not uncommon for you to walk into a room full of Christians and think they don't get it. And um, you see that, you know, again, having this air of uh, arrogance, haughtiness, uh, to believe that, you know, uh, the rest of society just doesn't get it. Uh, that, you know, no one else has access to the truth except for you and maybe if, uh, select other people. Um, it's just a sign of arrogance. Um, in 8329, it says, the wicked used to laugh at those who believed. When they passed by them, they used to poke fun. When they got together with their people, they used to joke. Whenever they saw them, they said, these people are far astray. Um, to think that we're better than other people, that, you know, we're, we have uh, more access, we have more uh, credibility uh, for no, you know, God-given reason, um, it's really a sign that, you know, uh, we're acting self-righteously. And we have to always err on the side of caution um, and humility. Uh, number four, people are often more offended by you and your delivery than they are of your actual message. And you have to think like when uh, Salah went to his people and uh, he brought the camel, uh, the community asked, uh, you know, the believers, hey, why do you believe? And the response was, the message caused us to believe, right? And that's the thing is, if the message is powerful, um, that's all it takes. It doesn't require us to uh, try to exalt ourselves, uh, increase our credibility with the people. Um, there's nothing we can do to guide anyone. Um, God is the only one who guides, and God guides people by virtue of their belief. Uh, and again, that has to do with people's sincerity. In 31, 18 through 19, it says, You shall not treat the people with arrogance, nor shall you roam the earth proudly. God does not like the arrogant show-offs. Walk humbly and lower your voice. The ugliest voice is the donkey's voice. Um, and God gives us, you know, the best message. It's the, the, the truth. And when you argue or debate using the truth, 
you know, you don't need to have any other justification. You, you read from the verses of the Quran. If people understand them differently, that's their prerogative. And if they side with, you know, what's in the Quran, then, hey, uh, everyone benefits. In um, uh, number five, it says you guilt far more people to action than you inspire. And think of this. It's like when we guilt someone, what do we gain? Um, what we gain, in essence, is the boosting of our ego uh, because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Uh, but when we look at the examples of the Quran, you know, God is constantly, you know, uh, trying to inspire us, encourage us. And uh, we see this example in 3159 says the messenger's kindness. It says it was mercy from God that you became compassionate towards them. Had you been harsh and mean hearted, they would have abandoned you. Uh, therefore, you shall pardon them, ask forgiveness for them and consult them. Um, 9103, it says, take from their money a charity and purify them and sanctify them and encourage them. For your encouragement reassures them God is here omniscient. You know, God is giving the, uh, the messenger saying, hey, the proper way to uh, connect with the people is through encouragement. And if we use God's system rather than trying to guilt people, you know, trying to identify why they're a terrible believer, uh, all the things they're doing wrong, we try to inspire them, to pick them up, to bring them up, uh, to God willing, you know, uh, they... Uh, can be happy. Number six, you say things on Facebook about your faith and Christians that you'd never say in person. And think about this. I mean, it's so tempting, uh, you know, through uh, social media, through comments, uh, through Facebook, Twitter, whatever the medium is, uh, to be mean and nasty and say stuff to people that you would never say face to face. Um, in 1753, it says, treat each other amicably. Tell my servants to treat each other in the best possible manner, for the devil will always try to drive a wedge among them. Surely the devil is man's most ardent enemy. And in 4133, it's entitled Submitters, it says, Who can utter better words than one who invites to God, works righteousness, and says, I am one of the submitters. Not equal is the good response and the bad response. You shall resort to the nicest possible response. Thus the one who used to be your enemy may become your best friend. None can attain this except those who steadfastly persevere. None can attain this except those who are extremely fortunate. And um, you think about this. It's, you know, this is someone who used to be your enemy. And God is saying to respond to them in the best possible response that they may become your best friend. And how difficult is that when someone is being mean and nasty to you uh, to not stoop to their level and respond to them in a genuinely nice, sincere, caring way? And God knows how difficult this is. That's why the following verse in uh, 4136, it reads, When the devil whispers an idea to you, you shall seek refuge in God. He is the hearer, the omniscient. Meaning that God knows that that's difficult. And it's at those times we need to seek refuge in God. Because the devil's going to try to get us. Trying to, you know, in essence, get under our skin to have us respond in a way that isn't going to be pleasing to God. In um, 16, uh, 125, uh, it's entitled... Uh, how to spread God's message, it reads, You shall invite to the path of your Lord with wisdom and kind enlightenment and debate with them in the best possible manner. Your Lord knows best who has strayed from his path, and he knows best who are the guided ones. You know, and there's going to be times we're going to have disagreements. Um, there's going to be points of contention. And that's fine to debate, but we have to keep in mind, we have to A, debate in the, debate in the best possible manner, and still to treat each other nicely, you know, not to say stuff or lash out at others as if, uh, uh, you know, we have no, uh, no compassion uh, and no sensibility. Um, number seven, it says, you have no problem quickly questioning people's faith. You've posted a Facebook status or tweet that contained the following sentence. 
I don't believe a Christian would, and we can uh, you know replace that with I don't believe a submitter would, or I don't believe a, um, uh, a Jewish person would. Um, and we realize that you know this this act of kind of like um, being harsh towards the other people, it, it's not going to win any brownie points with uh, with God. Uh, 494 says, O you who believe, if you strike in the cause of God, you shall be absolutely sure. Do not say one who offers you peace, you are not a believer, seeking the spoils of this world. For God possesses infinite spoils. Remember that you used to be like them, and God blessed you. Therefore, you shall be absolutely sure before you strike. God is fully cognizant of everything you do. And you can think of, you know, the spoils of this world um, this is, you know, in reference to war, but what's the spoils that people are getting when they're being, you know, uh, undermining and uh, uh, just uh, lashing out on Facebook and Twitter is they're looking for people to respond, to like their posts, to retweet, uh, to, you know, like cheer them on. And uh, when you do this, you realize all you're doing is you're inflating your ego. You know, you're not pleasing God. You're not uh, gaining in righteousness. Uh, if anything, you're, you're moving in the opposite direction. And when we, you know, identify this behavior in ourselves, we need to uh, be cognizant of it and try to fix it. And again, seek refuge in God. In 652, it says, Do not dismiss those who implore their Lord day and night, devoting themselves to Him alone. You are not responsible for their reckoning, nor are they responsible for your reckoning. If you dismiss them, you will be a transgressor. And God is saying, you know, there's going to be people you're not going to like, right? They're going to be believers. Uh, they're going to be sincere, devoted. And uh, if you dismiss them, if you, uh, in essence, uh, turn against them um, unjustifiably, uh, you are going to be the, uh, the transgressor. And that's something, you know, all of us have to take to heart. Uh, if we dismiss one another, if we're cruel with one another uh, unjustifiably, um, you know, we're going to have to suffer those consequences. And the, the, the most severe consequences, God is telling us that we are going to be considered a transgressor in God's eyes. Um, and that's the worst thing that can happen to a, to a person. In uh, 1127, we see the example of uh, uh, Noah. It says, The leaders who disbelieved among his people said, we, do not, uh, we see that you are no more than a human being like us, and we see the first people to follow you are the worst among us. We see that you, possess, uh, uh, you do not possess any advantage over us. Indeed, we think you are liars. Um, and Noah's response in uh, 29 says, I'm not dismissing those who believe. They will meet their Lord, and he alone will judge them. I see that you are ignorant people. Um, and you think about this. It's the fact that they wrote off Noah you know, for multiple reasons, but one of them was because the, the company he carried, uh, everyone else considered these people uh, the worst among them. And uh, we shouldn't write off people like that. And it's so tempting to, uh, and you know, I can say I'm as guilty as just as anyone else, uh, of this. Um, but we see numerous examples of people who had terrible, terrible uh, beginnings, but they've just absolutely transformed. The recent one that I was looking into was uh, Malcolm X. You know, and how awesome of a story. This is a person who was just a, a t terrible upbringing, uh, got involved in, you know, all kinds of vice, thrown in jail, uh, pretty much just like, you know, thought, hey, he's going to be a statistics and is completely turned around. Um, I've been listening to a podcast. It's uh, How I Built This. And um, two of the uh, the last episodes were absolutely uh, inspiring. One was the uh, the creator of um, uh, Vice, and he was saying that you know when he started first writing, uh, he was just recovering from being a heroin addict. Um, and then the other one was uh, uh, Channel One, I believe, uh, the CEO of that, and she was a uh, 
a, a person who, at the age of 16, I believe, uh, you know, had a child, um, had to fend for herself, had to raise him and go to school and everything. And you think that, again, you know, she was saying that she wasn't going to be just another statistic. Um, so, you know, we have to be very, very uh, forgiving and uh, conscientious if we're ever going to make a judgment um, that we're not writing people off for the uh, wrong reasons. In uh, 49.6, uh, it says, investigate rumors before believing them. And it reads, O you who believe, if a wicked person brings any news to you, you shall first investigate, lest you commit injustice towards some people out of ignorance, then become sorry and remorseful for what you have done. In uh, number eight, so number eight reads, you never share your weakness, or uh, when you do, it always has a nice bow at the end of it. And um, I couldn't find an example in the, uh, the Quran, but I was just, it made me think of the, uh, uh, the meme that's going around, around the humble brag. And if you're not familiar, you can probably go on Google and just type in humble brag and see uh, numerous examples. And one of the ones that was, uh, someone was like, oh, you know, um, I got two PhDs, one in nuclear physics and the other one in like biotech. And uh, I still don't know how to program my, you know, uh, air conditioner. And it's like, you, you, they're trying to talk down themselves, but realistically, they're just boasting about themselves. So if we catch ourselves doing that, you know, we have to be uh, conscientious. Um, number nine says, you have a hard time relating to those who don't get it. And again, this was similar to, I believe it was number three. And the, uh, the verses I have is 59.10. Those who became believers after them say, Our Lord, forgive us and our brethren who preceded us to the faith and keep our hearts from harboring any hatred towards those who believe. Our Lord, you are compassionate, most merciful. Um, and you see, again, there's going to be people that you didn't get along with or you don't get along with that we have to kill our egos um, and uh, understand that, hey, uh, we shouldn't harbor hatred uh, towards these people. Um, if our belief is one and the same in the sense that we worship God alone, uh, we're on the same page, uh, irrespective if, you know, whatever uh, petty differences we may have. And 2.13 says, when they are told, believe like the people who believe, they say, shall we believe like the fools who believe? In fact, it is they who are fools, but they do not know. When they meet the believers, they say, we believe, but when alone with their devils, they say, we are with you, we were only mocking. And uh, number 10 is written, says, you think the world would be a better place if everyone was like you. And that's the whole aspect is, you know, one of the, uh, the blessings uh, that God shows us through all his creations is the level of diversity that God has placed here. Um, you look all around you, all the various creations that God has created, and they're all different. Um, they're all unique. Uh, and if we're willing to appreciate that uh, God system, uh, you know, we're going to be a lot more uh, happy uh, individuals and eventually, you know, be able to kill our egos. In 548 says, uh, when we reveal to you this scripture, uh, truthfully confirming previous scriptures and superseding them, you shall rule among them in accordance with God's revelations and do not follow their wishes if they differ from the truth that has come to you. For each of you, we have decreed laws and different rights. Had God willed, he could have made you one congregation, but he thus puts you to the test through the revelations he has given each of you. You shall compete in righteousness to God as your final destiny, all of you. Then he will inform you of everything you have disputed. You know, we're all going to be different. We're all going to come to the message in different uh, terms and ways. And God, this is God's system. It says to each people, he's given uh, revelations and they're responsible for upholding them. Um, and there is no one way to God um, in the sense that it's God can provide the message, the guidance through any number of channels. Um, and it's because we got it in a one particular manner doesn't mean that that's the manner everyone else should receive it. And um, it reminds me of, you know, uh, if you know someone who's like a, in an intense diet, 
Um, they become evangelical to believe that everyone should eat like they do. And the reality is like, hey, that might work for them. It might not work for someone else. You know, maybe their body's uh, chemistry, bacterial gut, uh, absorbs nutrients differently. And therefore, it might be awesome for one person and just like a terrible idea for someone else. And we have to respect that. We have to be uh, uh, okay with it. Uh, number 11, you think your calling should be the primary calling for all Christians. And deep down, you believe it's the litmus test for true Christianity. Um, and this, you know, has to do a lot with the previous fact. It's, you know, there is no one way. Um, in the intro to the uh, Quran, we read all believers constitute one in this, uh, one acceptable religion. And it reads, as expected from the creator's final message, one of the prominent themes in the Quran is the call for unity among all believers and the repeated prohibition of making any distinction among God's messengers. If the object of worship is one and the same, there will be absolute unity among all believers. It is the human factor. Uh, for example, devotion and prejudice to such powerless humans as Jesus, Muhammad, the saints and uh, that causes division, hatred, bitter wars among the misguided believers. A guided believer is devoted to God alone and rejoices in seeing any other believer who is devoted to God alone, regardless of the name such a believer calls his or her religion. And um, in 262 and 569, we read unity of all submitters. It says, surely those who believe, those who are Jewish, the Christians, the converts, anyone who won, believes in God, two believes in the last day, and three leads a righteous life, will receive their recompense from their Lord. They have nothing to fear, nor will they grieve. Um, number 12, you assume the worst about people, and when you challenge others, it's always you need to, not we need to. Um, 49.12, uh, it reads, uh, O you who believe, you shall avoid any suspicion, for even a little bit of suspicion is sinful. You shall not spy on one another, nor shall you backbite one another. This is abominable as eating the flesh of your dead brother. You certainly abhor this. You shall observe God. God is Redeemer, most merciful. And, you know, to, to think ill of someone else uh, without any proof, without the uh, solid, solid evidence, um, it's just we're only hurting our own souls. And I think the, the grotesque of the um, uh, vision that, you know, God is comparing this to, to eating the flesh of your dead brother, to me shows that this is a, uh, it's psychologically uh, traumatizing when we're suspicious because we, it alters the way that we view the world. Um, and it's something that for our own sake, you know, we're best not to be suspicious, uh, that if we make a judgment that we have solid evidence um, that we're not making, uh, you know, false assumptions about people. And, um, you know, this is for the, uh, the benefit of ourselves. Number 13, you actually secretly like and enjoy annoying and ticking other, others off when you challenge them. You anticipate it. It gives you a rush to tick everyone off, to set off a grenade in the room. Um, and it says, P.S., yes, I know Jesus ticked people off, but I don't think he enjoyed it. Um, in 9.9, it reads, they trade away God's revelations for a cheap price. Consequently, they repulsed the people from his path. Miserable indeed is what they did. And God tells us in the Quran, if we're responsible for repulsing people from the path, we're going to be responsible for their sins because that was their opportunity for guidance. And because of our actions, um, we can basically uh, attribute part of their, uh, their disbelief uh, to ourselves. Um, and God says for any uh, action we do, good or bad, uh, we ho hold a share of that responsibility. So it's something that we have to take very seriously. Uh, number 14, you're very slow to def deflect praise and God uses you to make a difference. Oh, when God uses you to make a difference. Um, and we know in the Quran that it's uh, mandatory that anytime something good happens to us, uh, we need to be uh, giving the credit to God 
uh, using phrases like God's gift, this is what God has given me, you know, mashallah, uh, subhanallah, that we're constantly realizing that this is not uh, our, you know, cleverness or our uh, smarts or uh, status or anything that got us this. It's God who's the one who's blessing us with this. And um, 1839 says, when you entered, it's talking about the two people in the garden. When you entered your garden, you should have said, this is what God has given me, mashallah. No one possesses power except God. Uh, you may see that I possess less money and less children than you. Um, and it continues that, yeah, basically, you know, these people had a garden. They were so sure of it, their harvest. And when they came back, uh, basically a storm wiped out their, uh, their harvest. Um, number 15, you wear your good works on your sleeve and you make sure everyone knows how you're making a difference. 3188, those who boast about their works and wish to be praised for something they have not really done should not think that they can evade the retribution. They have incurred a painful retribution. Uh, 76.9 says, we feed you for the sake of God. We expect no reward uh, from you nor thanks. Um, we have to be you know, aware that when we do righteous works, we're doing it to please God. Uh, we're not doing it to please other people. That might be a byproduct and we're appreciative of that. But the sole purpose of us doing it is to please God. And, um, you know, again, if we're exalting ourselves, um, you know, that's just uh, inflating our own egos at our own detriment. Uh, number 16, it says, you rarely publicly say sorry. You get so defensive when people challenge you or your delivery. And um, we know in order to kill our egos, we need to take the defeated side. Um, there's going to be times in our life, all of us, you know, we're going to do uh, things that were wrong and we have to own up to it. And uh, even if it's to the point where it's uh, subjective, we have to take the defeated side. Um, this is the way that we kill our egos. This is the way that we grow our souls. Um, and it's, it's difficult at times, right? Uh, we have pride. We have uh, egos uh, that want to stop us from taking responsibility, from saying, I'm sorry. But when we do, it shows that we're actually killing our egos. Uh, number 17, your cheering section is only people in your camp. No one who disagrees with you cheers you on. Um, and you think about that, it's like some people, they're only in it to, uh, to appease their tribe, um, not to think about, hey, is this something that I would want, you know, as a uh, characteristic among just a general human being, um, but they're more interested to please their tribe uh, than they are to, to please God. Uh, number 18, <laughs> you're reading this list and uh, getting super defensive, or you're having an imaginary conversation in your head where you're arguing with me and I'm losing. <laughs> so you might be you might be having a, an argument in your head as you're hearing this and thinking, oh man, this guy's so off, and uh, you know you're you're debating with me and I'm losing, and hey, I might lose by all means. I'll I'll take the defeated side on that. But I thought that was pretty uh, pretty hilarious. Uh, number right nineteen, you're reading this list and thinking, no, none of this applies to me. I'm awesome. Um, <laughs> number twenty, people are intimidated by you and you actually like it. Uh, and you think, you know, again, are you uh, winning people's, uh, um, uh, you know, in essence, uh, the uh, discussions you're having with people out of the message or through intimidation? Um, because if it's through intimidation, it's really meaningless. Uh, when you can win people over through the sheer kind of like logic, the reasoning, the compassion, uh, that's when it really counts. Um, and I was listening to something I was talking about, you know, managers. Uh, managers are in a point of authority, uh, a position of authority. And if they're getting their subordinates to do what they want because they're fearful of the manager, you're going to get subpar work. But if the uh, the subordinates are doing it because they genuinely believe in the vision, believe in the uh, the message, the, the job that needs to be done, uh, the quality of work is going to go up a lot more as well. Um, number 21, when you hear a convincing sermon, your first thought is, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. 
And uh, if you're listening to this, and I was guilty when I was reading this too, you're thinking like, oh my God, I, you know, I need to send this to so-and-so. Uh, it's going to be so uh, relevant to them and they're going to, you know, um, uh, realize how wrong they were. And that just shows, you know, that's, that's my ego. That's uh, my uh, self-righteousness coming out. Uh, if I believe when I read this list um, or heard this list uh, that, you know, this is a, a, would apply great if such and such heard this. Um, and that's our egos, because <laughs> we have to benefit from it. We have to learn from it. In uh, Matthew, uh, from the Bible, chapter 7, verse 4 and 5, says, How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, while there is uh, still a beam in your own eye? You, you hypocrite, first take the beam out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, we're so quick to pick out the, uh, the downfalls, the, the, the shortcomings of others, and completely neglect our own. Um, and it's something that if we can get to that stage where we're focusing on ourselves to make ourselves better, to be a better example, uh, it's a sign that we're uh, killing our egos. Um, 22, you're mad that my title said 20 things and I just wrote 22. I, um, I wanted to add a couple more uh, to this list. So these are uh, a couple that I wanted to just add that I've, I've picked up uh, myself. And the first one is being comfortable with saying, I don't know. You know, by no means do we have the answers to everything. You know, God has given us the yardstick uh, through the Quran and has revealed certain information for us. Um, but beyond that, you know, we have to be uh, understanding of what we know and what we don't know. Uh, when God told the angels uh, in 231, it says, He taught Adam all the names, then presented them to the angels, saying, Give me the names of these if you are right. They said, Be you glorified, we have no knowledge except that which you have taught us. You are the omniscient, most wise. Um, and you realize, like, that's the awesomeness of the angels, that they realize, like, hey, there's certain information they're not privy to, and they don't see that as a, uh, a ding to their ego because they don't have an ego. But someone who has an ego... Uh, they have to believe that they know or understand everything, uh, and they try to over-extrapolate what God has taught them. And if you think about it, let's say God gave us a yardstick, and there are certain things that we can measure with that yardstick. For instance, if we wanted to measure the dimensions of a room or the height of a person, we could do that with fair accuracy. But if we wanted to measure you know, the distance between L.A. and New York or from uh, the Earth to the Moon, you know, we're going to be vastly off, and we have to be uh, understanding of that. That, you know, the yardstick is made for certain references. Um, beyond that, that's, you know, we're overstepping what God has revealed to us. And we see uh, an awesome example of Jesus on the day of resurrection. In 5.1.16, it says, God will say, O Jesus, son of Mary, did you say to the people, make me and my mother idols beside God? He will say, be you glorified. I cannot utter what was not right. Had I said it, you already would have known it. You know my thoughts, and I do not know your thoughts. You know all the secrets, Right. Jesus didn't go up and start making uh, assumptions and rules and, you know, observations and, well, I don't know, but maybe it's blah, blah, blah. He accepted. He says, hey, this is things that are, it's beyond my knowledge. And uh, if God willed, he would, you know, share that information with Jesus. But by no means is Jesus going to over-extrapolate uh, what he knows. Um, and in 366, it says, you have argued about things you knew. Why do you argue about things you don't know? God knows while you do not know. And, um, you know, we see that there's going to be times we're going to get into uh, moral dilemmas or issues or questions, you know, uh, that we're not going to know. One of the ones was, uh, I remember people were debating uh, what happened to the magicians after they defied uh, Pharaoh. And the reality is we don't know, right? We can make assumptions, whatnot, but we, we genuinely don't know. God did not reveal that to us. Um, and we have to be comfortable with that. We have to be okay with that. 
And it's okay to say, I don't know. Um, the second thing is understanding the difference between confidence and competence. Uh, a lot of people think that because an individual is confident, that therefore they're right. But there is no correlation whatsoever between confidence and competence. In uh, 288, it says, some would say our minds are made up. Instead, it is a curse from God as a consequence of their disbelief that keeps them from believing except for a few of them. Now, there's certain things in our uh, faith that we have to be 100% certain on. These are foundational pieces, you know, the worship of God alone, uh, the devotion to God alone, um, you know, believing that there's only one God, right? These foundational pieces we have to be absolutely certain on uh, to lead a righteous life, to believe in Judgment Day. Um, these are essential. But when it comes to the application of what we learned in the Quran to our day-to-day, -day, there's always the possibility we could be wrong. And we see an awesome example of this with David in, uh, uh, I believe, it's chapter 38, where the two brothers walk into a sanctuary, and one has one sheep, the other one has 99 sheep, and the one with 99 sheep wants to consume the one sheep of the other brother, and they're asking David for judgment. And David gives an awesome response, you know, and he tells them that, hey, most people who do this treat each other unfairly. Uh, it's not right for him to ask you to give up your one sheep, uh, you know, against your will. And there's chronic precedent to this judgment. Yet... David still repents because he realizes that he might have been wrong, right? He might have been judging by the wrong merits. God knows. But it's that level of care, uh, carefulness that despite all the being a messenger of God, all the information he has, uh, something so obvious as 99 verse 1, uh, he still exerts this extra caution and carefulness uh, to repent. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, are we this careful? Are we being this um, uh, concerned uh, or are we, you know, over-exemplifying our confidence and, and, you know, trying to fool people to think that we are more intelligent because we speak with this confidence? Um, the third one I have is, uh, you see a lot of this, and this is kind of reminding me of, uh, um, it's saying, you know, uh, do you like to uh, stir up the pot? And it gives the example, you know, Jesus did, but I don't think he enjoyed it. I think it was number 13, is, um, you know, we're not messengers of God. Uh, well, may, you know, maybe one of us out there, God knows. <laughs> but uh, I can say I am not a messenger of God. And it's tempting sometimes to think that because the messenger did something or the messenger uh, spoke in a certain way, therefore it gives us authority to do the same. And um, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, you know, Abraham goes and destroys idols and then says the big one did it. Um, you know, uh, uh, which Mount Solomon sends the, uh, the letter to Sheba, uh, you know, saying, hey, we're going to come at you with forces you can't imagine. Uh, and this and that, you know, these are things that uh, these individuals are authorized by God and God is, uh, um, you know, providing them with this insight. Another one is Joseph with the king's cup, you know, um, because the messengers did it doesn't mean necessarily that uh, we can do it. Um, you know, uh, Solomon or uh, Moses, they spoke with such authority. Um, but again, they're authorized by God. Um, if we try to do the same thing, we're probably inflating our egos. Um, Number f the other one I have is that do not uh, you judge out of love or out of spite. And another way to think of it is if you're you know go to correct someone or remind someone, are you doing it again out of love or out of moral superiority? And you know God tells us in the Quran um, that we can judge. Uh, one of the names of the Quran is the statute book, uh, the book by which we judge. So by all means we can judge. Uh, the question is, are we judging because of uh, a love, because we genuinely want the best for the other person? Or are we judging because we want to feel morally superior, 
uh, to point out people's uh, shortcomings and flaws uh, so we can feel better about ourselves and about our belief. And if we're doing it for the later, then we have to realize, again, that's, that's just inflating our egos. We're not doing that to please God. In 26, 130 says, when you strike, you strike mercilessly. You shall reverence God and obey me. You know, we shouldn't be merciless in the sense of when we strike, when we comment, when we uh, try to take people down. Um, when we remind, when we spread the message, we have to do it out of compassion and love, that we genuinely want the best for other people. When uh, God appointed Moses to go to Pharaoh, he said, speak to him nicely, right? And this is Pharaoh uh, because, you know, God didn't want to give Pharaoh this excuse. Um, and I'm sure it was tough for, uh, for Moses to do such a thing, but, you know, that's the way we need to be. In 16.126 says, and if you punish, you shall inflict an equivalent punishment. But if you resort to patience instead of revenge, it'd be better for the patient ones. You shall resort to patience, and your patience is attainable only with God's help. Do not grieve over them, and do not be annoyed by their schemes. So, you know, if we're pointing out other people's flaws, we have to reflect, how does that make us feel? Uh, if we feel good about it, then we should probably correct that. And if we feel like, hey, you know, it's uh, awkward, we don't like saying it, but, you know, we genuinely are doing it out of love and compassion, then, you know, God willing, we're on the, uh, the right path. So that's all I got. If uh, you guys got comments or questions, uh, hit us up at Korantalk at gmail.com um, or on Twitter at Talk Quran. And until next time, peace and God bless.